Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What's going on? Coach Luca back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. And uh, today, well, actually, you know, before we even start, because today what I'm going to what I'm going to uh, talk about is I, I've been working on this. It's a blog post. <laughs> it's a big blog post. Uh, uh, it's going to also be an ebook. It's going to be a downloadable ebook. It's uh, it's actually going to be free. You guys can check it out in the show notes. So by the time this comes out, it will be uploaded in the show notes. Uh, and many years ago, I wrote uh, a blog that was on my on my website, and it was called uh, "I Got 99 Problems, But Getting My Shit Together Ain't One." And I just felt like that was a good title. Anyways, it got so it was like these these 99 kind of insights and lessons that I had and uh, that I shared and it just went viral and had hundreds if not you know uh, over a thousand shares um, online so now it's probably I'd say three years later maybe four years later and uh, and like I've actually been writing this out for a year so I, I've got a lot of journals I got a lot of places that I write my ideas my notes my insights and so I wanted to put this together uh, as just just stuff like some of the best things like life lessons um, it's actually called 99 Lessons to, to More Invigorated Life. Um, and I just wanted to share it with the world like I did uh, years ago. I, th- I mean, this one is more in-depth. I think it's, it's a lot better. Uh, but nonetheless, and today what I'm going to do is just share some of the more powerful lessons. And I, when I say some, I'm talking about like 10 to 15 because Gene was already questioning my uh, capability to keep this short even just for 10 lessons. And he may be right. He may be right, but he may be wrong. Uh, so I'm going to share some of the most powerful ones. Before we go into that, uh, I just wanted to bring up, hey, look, if, if you're a, a coach that has a fitness business or a gym owner, honestly, if you, are, uh, if you have at least 30, 40 clients or more, uh, I'm opening up some more spaces in my fitness business mentorship program. I get hit up a lot about this. Um, like I said, I, I do because of one, uh, many of the things that I'm doing, but like I, I try to keep things, I would say more intimate and smaller so I can really help the people that join my mentorship program uh, and help them build their business. So essentially I'm helping you build a predictable and sustainable business that you absolutely love, make it more profitable, build a career in business, and also, you know, do something that like very, I would say, um, is missing in industry, which is things like exit strategies, right? How do you build a predictable, sustainable business and are able to not exit because you want to, but prepare for it for if anything happens in life? You know, we're talking everything from sales to marketing to systems to deliverability, fulfillment, right? Like how you deliver your product and service to make it extraordinary how you differentiate yourself uh, because like i said more so than ever the marketplace is crazy and also how do you leverage the things that you're already doing well to build out on different platforms um so that is depending on where you are in the process of your growth and business um that is something that i help you do and grow once again it's for people to have at least 30 to 40 clients or more um Feel free to reach out. You already know where to find me. Uh, and with that said, we're going to roll into uh, what I get really excited about. Man, I, the thing is, I tend to, uh, you know, I said let's 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 keep it to not a crazy number, obviously, because uh, I certainly want you to read this and it's and it's powerful. Um, but I'm, I'm going to start a couple of powerful ones, and like you know, some of them honestly are sentences. Some of them are more like deeper insights that uh, I wrote out almost like a mini blog post. So. The first one is, is 
almost the frame of everything. And, it, and it's be willing to be a beginner every single morning. Uh, and that's a, a quote by Meister Eckhart. And, you know, that philosophy, that perspective on life to, to be a beginner, I would say like be an amateur, you know, I, I said this one time to a group of friends and they're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, you know, you talk about turning pro like Stephen Pressfield and so and I'm like, nah, I get it. But like, you know, being a beginner is very similar to being an amateur, right? Like it's an, an amateur, first of all, is very passionate about it, uh, very purposeful about stuff and and they put like their best in and their gusto um, and they're, con- they're a constant learner, right? Now, I know for me too, like sometimes, you know, when I, when I turned pro, like it lost, basketball was that way, right? Like turning pro lost a little bit of a, everything became so, there was a lot of bureaucracy, there was a lot of politics, there was a lot of, um, you know, you, sometimes you were playing with, with people that didn't care for as much for the team and it was more about just the professional side and the money and the coach right like but man then i would go play street ball and i love it right like i'd be like because i was passionate purposeful i was i was an amateur essentially right so that whole philosophy of being willing to be a beginner every single morning is critical at at any point in time and what you learn is the, the people are that are the best in the world at what they do they're always kind of waking up going like Man, like how, you know, curious about how to get better at their craft, curious about um, other people that are doing things that they can learn from, right? You can learn from everybody. So remember, be willing to be a beginner every single morning, right? And next next invigorated lesson here is if you really want to be the best version of yourself, always, always, always take 100% responsibility for anything that happens to you, right? When you take responsibility, you step into your power as you acknowledge that you can change your reality. It, you know, will, will shit happen that's out of your control? Absolutely will happen. Like, <laughs> that's life, right? But when you take responsibility, you also determine that you can respond however you choose and not have the ta- attitude of like, oh, this was the hand that I was dealt. And sometimes, you know what? You do get dealt a bad hand. Fuck it. I mean, like, you know, that can be from the place that you're born. I mean, think about, you know, somebody being born in the slums of India. I mean, do they have a worse hand than if you're born, you know, in America in, in a cul-de-sac, right? Like in a, I don't know, burb neighborhood. Obviously, right? It, the question becomes what you do with it. Now, obviously, we could delve, delve deeper here. But my whole premise of everything is that if, if you are pointing fingers, Right. If you're pointing fingers around, if you own a business, if you're an employed, if you're anything else like that, it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, and I can tell real quick when I'm around people, does the conversation turn into, well, yeah, man, but like, you know, this guy didn't do this and this dude didn't do that. And like my mom did this and my dad did that. And, uh, you know, my, my friends are doing X, Y, Z. Like it's always the, it, remember you you point the finger, you give the power to somebody else, right? I want you to think of that. Like, you just gave your power away. Now, if you go like, hey, listen, that was shitty, okay? That was out of my control, but I take responsibility for how I change this, right? Will Smith says something really powerful. Hey, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Even stuff like, man, uh, you know, you get hit by a car, by a drunk driver, brace your leg, does, uh, you know, I don't know, injures you. Now that, man, that's a shitty situation. Like you were, like that was not your fault. It was not in your control. 
But if you wait there and go like, man, that person should suffer or like I should not be injured. I should not be in this position. Right now, you're just giving power away to somebody else rather than going like, man, I'm going to like I'm going to come back stronger. I'm going to recover. This is going to be an incredible comeback story. Right now, you're taking responsibility back regardless of the, the hand that you were dealt, the cards that you were dealt. Right? I mean, sometimes, hey, listen, you get a shitty set of cards. How are you going to play the game? Right? How are you going to play the game? I'm going to take a little pauses in between these lessons because I feel like there needs to be some wisdom dealt. Another invigorated lesson is falling in love with the process, right? Falling in love with the work. And I, I talk about this often, but remember that part of meaning in life is connected, you know, to what you do to create. So your, you know, your work and that's in whatever you want to achieve. Um, so if you can't, if, if you constantly attach happiness to when I get there, you're always going to feel the gap of where you are and where you want to be, Right. So remember, goal setting and, and, and visualizing is important, but but you you should also remind yourself of what you've done. You know, and um, I think the gap is one of the uh, I would say Dan Sullivan's strategic coach books, where you know this idea of the horizon, right? Like if you are right now, I'll use money as an example because it's just simple as metric. It's you know a person that's making twenty five grand a year, and it's like man, like. I can't wait to, you know, I'm going to work hard to make, you know, 50K a year, right? And then you get the 50 grand a year and then you want to make, and actually I, I, I can tell you, I, I know people, if I look at the last like six, seven years, they went from, you know, making 30 to making over hundred, you know, and they're not satisfied because they're like, yeah, but now I want to make two or they're comparing themselves to the person that makes four or they're comparing themselves to the person that makes whatever, right? That's chasing the horizon, right? It's absolutely chasing the horizon and you know, what happens when you get to the, the goal? Well, the horizon continues. <laughs> it's a never-ending process, right? It's a never-ending process. So you have to kind of learn how to, one, look back at what you've achieved and, you know, still pursue, like I said, uh, I think Tony Robbins said, like, he said, uh, let me give you a one-word, uh, let me give you a one-word solution to your happiness, right? Progress right? Progress. If, if we're progressing in life, then we feel accomplished, right? Which is why I've, I've mentioned before the success comes from succession, which means progress. Really, it means the next step. It means progressing. It doesn't mean uh, you're, you've won everything. Like there's an end goal. And once you get there, you know, you're in the peak of Everest and there's nothing else, right? Human beings thrive off of progress and improvement, Right, which a lot of times is like I said, it's an intrinsic drive too, because you get a little better at something, right? You get a little better at at what you do, you actually feel accomplished. But if you're if you're just chasing the horizon like a number, and what happens when you get to that number? Somebody will go like, well, you set new goals, right? Like you expand. True. Right? But if you attach like uh, fulfillment or happiness to a thing and a goal uh, and a point in time that disappears as soon as you get there, right? It's it, like legitimately, that's what happens. Like when I make hundred grand, okay, cool, you make hundred grand. What now? You buy the bigger house, this, that, the other. Okay, what now? Right? So you have to understand that if, if you don't, you know, if, if you don't look at 
first of all, what you've accomplished, like look back and go like, man, you know, I talked about the daily wins and, 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 and mapping out, you know, every week and every month, like, Hey, what are the things that you accomplished? So that you build this strategic confidence, but it, you know, if you don't look back, then you're always chasing the next goal and not enjoying the process of what you're creating, right? There's so much pressure that you put on yourself when you're always chasing the elusive end goal, you know? So while, while there's excitement of, uh, you know, with the challenge of mastering what you do with creating, with being in love with the process, there's, there is, uh, a fulfillment there, you know, in, in the book, the flow, they talk about that people are the most engaged when they're doing work, right? When they're fully present and focused and zoned in on their work. It, but remember, like if you're worried too much about like the outcomes and not the process, like you're, you know, once again, like you could be doing good stuff or stuff that you set out to do. And yet at the same time, you're, you're not going to be fulfilled. And if, if you ever get stressed out about being stuff, please watch, uh, the documentary on Netflix called Euro dreams of sushi. Um, talk about a man dedicated to excellence. Um, like I said, only three star Michelin, uh, sushi chef in the world he has a little spot in, in Tokyo. I mean, just I, when you watch that, like, honestly, man, like sometimes I'll just, I'll just get like butterflies and tingles through my body because of, how committed this man is to, to improving and not really caring about the outcome as much. Um, and I watch it once a year, at least I watch it at least once a year. Cause it kind of, um, reignites, you know, not, not that I necessarily need that, but it certainly reignites my drive to, uh, to continue to be a master of my craft. Um, so to, to go to the next step because, uh, and the next lesson and is, not confusing activity with achievement and progress, right? We just talked about progress and how like, uh, you know, human beings are happy when they're progressing, but not confusing activity with that, right? Being busy doesn't really mean making progress. Matter of fact, I, I realize time and effort don't even equal results. Now, let me, let me make a point, okay? If you give your greatest effort in everything that you do, the likelihood of you succeeding and growing is very, very, very high. Uh, but of course, what matters too is that you're doing it in the right things. And here's why I say this, right? And I said, I realize that time and effort don't equal results. Here's why, okay? Uh, and I'll give you an example of, a, of the gym. I'll give you an example of the gym. So person goes, you know, it, it lost some weight, wants to do, you know, lose some more weight. Starts going to the gym, doing four hours, uh, sorry, four days a week of, you know, hour and a half of cardio, lifting weights another four or five days a week, you know, cuts calories drastically, uh, sees a little bit, you know, some more results, stalls, uh, sleep gets messed up, they're stressed out, uh, they start putting weight back on, don't know what's going on, fall off the wagon, right? Like, so they, they're putting in that time and effort, but they're not seeing the results. This is an example. Um, and, you know, we're not going to dig into why I actually got a, a whole seminar that I, that I put on about the the uh, fat loss forever, about the science of you know weight regain and things like that, and that that'll be posted on YouTube. But the kicker is that like you know that person is not doing the right things right for what they want to achieve. And so remember that only results equal results. Now it sounds kind of like ah, okay, Luca, but what I'm saying is like if you put in a lot of effort and time into something, it doesn't mean that it's going to work. Right doesn't mean that you'll get results, and so I, this is one of the I would say 
reasons why I study so much, why, um, you know, why you hire coaches, right? They've been there, done that, or doing that, uh, have been doing it for a long time, but are still doing it. And, um, you know, because once again, like they guide, support, and coach you to be doing the right things. So when you do put maximal effort into the right things, you're, you're going to succeed, right? So just look at, you know, and, and here's, the, here's the kicker, right? Look at the reality of your life and it will tell you whether you need to change something, period. Results don't lie. So, uh, you know, for instance, somebody goes like, well, nah, man, I'm, I'm putting an effort and I'm being active and doing work and I'm busy. You know, my question is like, hey, how's that working for you? Or how's that working for you? Is it, is it working the way you want it to? Are you progressing with, you know, are you progressing? And if you're progressing, are you progressing the way that you'd like to? And if not, like change something, right? Change something. This next lesson is uh, a powerful lesson. Now, if you've, it, it's one of the C's that makes up intrinsic motivation. So if you've read the book Tribes, um, by Sebastian Junger, which is a phenomenal book um, and has an incredible story about the siege of Sarajevo, which was, you know, through the Balkan War, um, where I'm from. I mean, this was specifically, obviously, Bosnia, but uh, it's a profound story. But, you know, in, in that book, one of the things that he shares is that humans really have, like, there's three things that drive that every human needs. It's an intrinsic part of our motivation. Even on, on a surface level, most people won't tell you that. Like, if I say, hey, like, what intrinsically drives you? They're not going to tell you this, right? But, but we, are, we are moved by this. And it's three things, three Cs. One is competence. So competence is like, you know, building off of what we just talked about, which is to continue to get better at, at a craft. You know, it could be competence in fitness, could be competence in your job, right? But becoming more competent with your skills and will drives intrinsic motivation, right? Like uh, Daniel Pink in the book Drive talks about this, about how like, you know, at a certain point in time, once we have the base level needs met, like that is what drives us in our lives is to be better, right? The second one is, because I'm going to leave the last seat I want to mention for last, but the second one is connection, right? Connection and community. Like we want to be connected to others. I mean, this is this whole social aspect and why our brains grew. Um, great book. If you want to read on that is like why our brains actually develop is it was actually a book called social. Um, so, you know, I've talked much about that, about connection, about community, about, um, you know, the, the actual tribes and like how we seek those out and like we need them. Right. And the last one is contribution. And this is, this is the invigorated lesson that I wanted to, um, to share, right, is contribution is one of the highest forms of fulfillment. And, uh, you know, Tony Robbins once again talks about this. And literally, it makes, I mean, one is selfish in a way. It's like when you give, you feel better about it. I mean, and I, I can go over studies, you know, over and over and over again, but like just a study about like monkeys when they had food, when they shared the food, so they ate some of the food and they shared it with another monkey they were much more, like they were happier. And because there was a reward of contribution, they actually like patterned it, right? They felt good about it. So next time they wanted to share again. So gives you an example, like that you are, you know, if, if I'm obviously eating something and somebody else is there and they're hungry, you know, they would enjoy whatever I'm eating and I share it with them right now. They're like, oh, thank you so much. I just contribute. It's like this small thing, but they're going to be happier, but you are going to be happier because you did that too. So 
contribution is one of the highest forms of fulfillment. So give every day and create and then give some more. And then give some more and then give some more. And when you're down, when you're hurt, when you feel like there's no way out, create and give and it will help you heal. And I can, I say this from experience and like I, I wrote this note actually um, going through some of, of the darkest times in my life. Uh, and I can certainly say that, you know, it's been one of the things that's helped me come out from the darkest places where, you know, instead of, like I said, getting out of my mind, uh, and getting into my heart, right? And like thinking, uh, I would say, doing for others uh, legitimately, you know, legitimately helped me uh, go through those really, really challenging times. Because it kind of fed my, I mean, it sound like maybe corny or whatnot, but like, hey, it, it did, it, it fed my heart and it fed my soul uh, and made me feel better. Uh, number seven, this is, you know, we talk so much about behavior. I don't know if this is the seventh one. Maybe it's the seventh one uh, of, the, of the invigorated lessons. But what stands between you and your goals and desires in life is behavior, right? And I'll get a little geeky with this if you want a formula. You want a, you want a formula to make shit happen. Here it is. You, right, equals, or should I say, who you become. Let's, let's call it that. Who you become is choice which means your decisions plus your behavior, which is your action plus your habit, which is repeated action plus the compound effect of those. And that's going to equal a goal. Now that goal might not be the goal you want, right? And that's how you got to, you got to look at, you got to look at your life through that formula. So meaning your choice, your decisions plus your behavior, your actions plus the habits that you have, your repeated actions, plus compounded over a period of time. I don't know. Let's just look at a year. You're going to achieve something. So, you know, whether that's your, your fitness, whether it's the relationships in your family, whether it's your business, uh, whether it's your connection, your, your spirituality, whatever it may be, like all those basically plugged into that formula are going to determine where you're going, right? It's that simple. And it's also that hard. So, you know, something I recommend is to take on less and do it consistently before taking on more. And those last two parts of the equation are, are, like I said, they're half of it, right? Habit, repeated action, plus compound. So if you can't repeat it and you can't do it over time, then uh, guess what? You know, no bueno. It's not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you can do it for, you know, four weeks, six weeks, seven weeks. Can you do it forever? It cannot become a part of who you become. That's why at the beginning it says, hey, you, right? Who you become. This is going to take a, a, a little bit of a turn. And though I have talked about this a little bit, um, you know, the next lesson is live below your means. Avoid all debt. Now, I'll come back to this one. Avoid all debt. Most things, if you can't pay in full, don't buy it. Now, there's exceptions, uh, of investments and business ventures you believe in and are willing to hustle your balls off to make, you know, to make them happen. Um, you know, the first time I took any type of significant loan was to buy the, the Vigor Life building, which the gym isn't now. Um, but let's just say that, you know, this is one of the things that currently is certainly, if you look at an average, is, is an issue, right? Um, because it's so easy to get credit. It's so easy to just, you know, put stuff on cards, but like realizing like, do I even have that money? Now, sometimes when it's an investment, uh, 
especially in yourself. Like that's the one that I'm like, if you're investing in yourself, that pays the highest return on investment, period. Okay. That might be an exception. Or when you look at things like good debt, bad debt, right? For instance, this building is good debt because it generates income versus bad debt. You might just be living in it and it doesn't generate income. You know, some people may argue with that. That's perfectly fine. Um, but if you do the research, you'll see that I'm right. Um, so let, like, let your thrill be in accomplishments and not in the toys that you can suddenly afford on credit. Repeat that. Let your thrills be in accomplishments and not the toys that you can suddenly afford on credit. Right? So that's very, very important. Right? Very important. Next one. Another money one that I've learned through... Uh, many years and and I would say definitely messing stuff up. <laughs> like, you know, I, I looked at like, I messed up a lot of shit when I was young, right? I had these like phases in life where it was just like, you know, I'm glad I made it out alive. Let's just put it that way. And I, I now when I mentor, I would say younger kids, I'm like, hey, you know, man, don't make the mistakes I made. Like I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have made it out alive. Uh, but this is, this is a powerful one. And, you know, maybe you won't be fully in agreement with it. That's cool. Right, but put aside a healthy pile of fuck you money. Um, yeah, like I, I just like to call it that, right? So you can walk away from any situation that you don't like and know that you'll survive. And um, look, this is this is kind of my, you know, if, if you can do this, and maybe it's not 12 months, but you know what, maybe it's six months. But, you know, put, my, my idea of that is like put, a year, uh, put away a year's worth of cash in a safety deposit box, don't invest it, cash, 20s and 100s. Sit with that for a second. Sit with that for a second, okay? I'm having a moment, right? Because I'm sliding, I'm sliding down, uh, I'm sliding down in, in these lessons right now. Oh, okay. So there's something about making, like uh, the other day in team training, I said, because somebody brought up a reason, right? They're like, oh man, you know, it's the, it's the reason that I didn't come to a small group on, on uh, Tuesday, right? And, um, you know, reasons are a lot like, essentially, reasons many times are just excuses. Let's be real, right? Like, they're just excuses. And I was just bringing up, because it was, it was kind of like a, a, a funny, funny reason. It wasn't really a reason. It was, it was almost like, well, I just was not as committed to doing this than I was to that. So, um, you know, does your commitment, is your commitment bigger than your excuses? And I was just talking about that, right? You're, you're, that, okay, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to piece these two lessons together, honestly, because they, because they kind of piggyback on each other, but, and it was stop making excuses, right? It doesn't matter how much the system or your parents or whoever else messed up your head, you know, you're old enough to rewrite your story and make a change. Nothing will change until you do. It's an inside job. You know, I love that movie, by the way, Inside Job. Phenomenal movie. Um, Denzel Washington and Clive. Damn it. I know his first name. I can't remember that. Phenomenal. Clive Owen. Yeah, that's what it was. Thanks, Gene. Um, great movie. But, the, you know, the whole point of it is like, you got, you know, you got to stop blaming that shit too, you know, even though if it was true. Um, but I was, you know, I say like, I, you know, Bedros is like, take man, you gave the pen to someone else to write your story. You got to take that pen back and write your own. Um, 
you know, so, and yes, it is an inside job. It means you got to do a bunch of work. And that's why I think it's so powerful to, you know, explore the narratives that drive your life. You know, things like, I know for me, you know, and still I got to battle it, right? Like you're not enough and seeking significance and shit like that, right? Um, but to touch on what I just said, right? No matter what you say you want, if you've got an underlying subconscious belief uh, that it's going to cause you pain or it's not available to you, you either... You know, so once again, if you have a sub, uh, underlying subconscious belief, that might not might be conscious, may not be conscious, right? Like when you're saying it out loud, but and you know, you say that you want something, but the belief doesn't match the stuff that you tell me that you want. There's going to be you're either going to a you won't let yourself have it, or b you let yourself have it, but you but you'll be real messed up about it, and then you go off and lose it anyways, right? One of those two. So let me give you a scenario, okay? This is gonna, this is gonna help you uh, definitely like visualize this. So let's say your conscious mind is saying, I wanna lose 25 pounds. Subconscious mind says, man, people aren't safe. I'll get hurt. I must build a shield to protect myself. And then the body ends up being a fortress of fat, right? So th- this is an example. This is real shit. Or... Here's another one. Your conscious mind, you know, somebody goes like, hey, Luca, man, I want to travel the world. Subconscious mind, mind says, fun equals irresponsible. And if I'm irresponsible, I won't be loved. This could be something stemming back from, like I said, growing up, you know, parenting. Like this is the, the behaviors that patterned uh, this subconscious belief. And then your passport, blank, right? You ain't doing shit, okay? So, that, this means that the most important thing that you can do uh, is inquire about your subconscious beliefs and explore how they got there. You know, and then it's time to question whether they serve you. I keep coming back to this, right? Because it's like you have to explore it and like really kind of write out like what is your belief, right? Um, and time to question whether they serve you. And if they don't, then let them go and suspend this belief to give space to something better. Um, Dax Moy taught me, right? Like it, sometimes it's heavy to go from like this one belief that's holding you back and then just go like, I, I need you to believe this. No, how about just suspend this belief? All right, suspend this belief about this other possibility, right? And I'll ask you this, do your beliefs serve your vision and dreams, right? Do your beliefs serve your vision and dreams? It's a powerful question, Right? And sometimes you got to stop and explore it because otherwise you'll never get to the bottom of it. One of the next lessons is travel and hang out in odd places before spending money on houses and cars. Buy time. Use it. Live before you settle down. And, you know, maybe we should never truly settle down. Who says we should? And when I say by like truly, you know, should we settle down? Um, It's one of those things like people always tell me like, man, when you have kids, like you won't travel won't travel as much um and that's their belief you know I, I i believe i will travel put it this way still a lot maybe not as much but still a lot um but let me repeat that first part for you right travel and hang out in odd places before spending money on houses and cars uh that's one thing that you know i get sad about was like when i talk to people and they're like they haven't traveled anywhere they haven't had these experiences um you know, met different people, different cultures, just experienced the world. But, you know, 
they're like, oh, but look at my, you know, $120,000 car. Uh, now, I have a nice expensive sports car, but trust me, it has a long time, you know, I, I traveled a whole lot before I got that because uh, I invested pretty much, I mean, almost everything into myself um, and into experiences before that. So, you know, just think about that because I've shared this before. Like, I, I believe that, you know, people traveling would, uh, I think it was, I think it was Richard Branson that says, uh, I got it somewhere, right? I, I, I will find the quote, but pretty much it's like if if you travel, it will uh, kind of eradicate your beliefs around, um, you know, how, how different we are and, and, and things like hatred and, and, uh, and racism and, and things of that nature. Right. And it certainly it certainly helped me and changed uh, change me. Right. It certainly changed me. Um, all right. Let's go to this. This is this is a great one, a great lesson that's once again piggybacking on this whole belief system. Uh, because I I just think it is I just think it's so important. Like actually, you know, when I when I share these lessons, there there's recurring themes, which is fine because man, like you might have to hear it in one way or a different way. And that's how it was for me, right? Like how come these are a lot of these notes are from my journals. They're from books I read, seminars I went to, mentors I spoke to, insights I've had, uh, you know, and I wrote them down and then I kind of am curating, curating them in, into this ebook. And, um, you know, just because I heard something one time and I was like, man, it's profound. I didn't do anything about it, you know, and then I'd hear it again. And it was almost like the universe reminding me like, yo, check yourself. This is something you got to address. Um, I hope it does the same for you. So, you know, challenge your belief systems, right? And and here's what I what I realized is that it's better to realize that you've been wrong all along than to be stubborn and hold on to a story that's holding you back, like from becoming who you want to become, from becoming your best, right? Uh, I, I think that's, we're so afraid to be wrong, right? That it's like, but it's better to realize that you've been wrong all along than to be stubborn and hold on to like, you know, white knuckle onto these beliefs that just aren't helping you out. Um, so here's a five-step process that will help you out, Okay. Number one, become aware of what stories uh, you're telling yourself, right? Remember, you're the author of your life, not your parents, not society, uh, not your significant other and partner, not your friends, you know, and not the bullies or, you know, that called you worthless in high school, anybody else for that matter. And the sooner that you decide to write yourself a better script, the sooner you get to live a more awesome life, period. But first, you got to let go of the stories that are holding you back, right? Most of the time, we're so used to them. We don't even know they exist and we'll just fight to hold on to them to the death. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I always tell like somebody starts giving me all these limitations. I'm like, man, if you keep fighting for your limitations, you can keep them. You can keep them. Right. And like, well, I don't want to. Okay. Then stop fighting for them. Right. So listen to the sentences that begin with things like I always dot, 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 you know, I never dot, dot, dot. I can't, I should. I suck at dot, 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 you know, one day I'm trying to dot, 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 right? Start paying attention because what are your favorite, you got you to gotta find out what are your favorite self-sabotaging stories. Like what do you hear yourself say and think over and over and over that becomes who you are or rather who you think you are, right? Um, but, you know, bust yourself in your old and your own tired, broken records right now so you can set about rewriting your stories. So that's step one. Right. And 
Number two, become aware of what you're gaining from your stories, right? So we pretty much don't ever do anything that we don't benefit from in some way, be it in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. So if you're creating something shitty in your life because, you know, of a dopey, dupey story, there's definitely something about it that you're getting that you're getting from it, okay? Remember that. You are getting something from it, okay? So let's say uh, your story is that you just, you know, you can't make money. By staying broke, you get to be right. You get to be the victim, which now makes you depend on, on other people and gets you attention, right? This is, that man, I've, I've actually dealt with some of these things with my own close family, uh, and, and it's and it's challenging, right? It's challenging to see. So other people will offer to pay and you don't have to take responsibility. You get to give up before you start and you avoid possible failure. You get that, right? If things in life fall far below the mediocre scale, you get to blame other people and circumstances instead of taking risks to change it because you can't afford to take risks, right? So this is one example, but it could be about how you just, you know, you're stuck at relationships. You just stink at relationships, right? Which gets you your freedom, right? Which gets you your freedom. Or, you know, how you have sucky genetics and you just can't lose the weight, which gives you permission to eat whatever and annihilate Netflix or whatever else the story is, right? But remember, see, notice how those stories gave you something, okay? So we don't realize it, but we're making the perks we get from perpetuating our stories more important than getting the things we really want. Because it's just, it's, it's familiar. It's familiar territory, right? So it's, it's what we're comfortable with and we're scared to let it go. Even though it might suck, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it, we're just, un- we're comfortable there and we're uncomfortable letting it go because we, we don't know what lies out there if we make that change, right? And, you know, stuff like it, if, if we've been victimized since childhood, you know, we trick ourselves to believe it's who we really are as adults, in order to continue reaping the rewards. It's how we've survived as kids, but it doesn't serve us anymore. So we we need to get rid of it or we'll just keep creating more of it. that's, That's a powerful realization. So once you identify the false benefits, right? You gotta do that. You gotta identify the false benefits you're reaping from holding on to these stories. You can start the process and let them go and then replace them with the empowered ones that serve you as an adult or as an older, you know, whoever is listening to this, whatever age that you are. So step number three is getting rid of your stories, right? Once you know what the, what the, what the beast looks like, I always said, you know, like, hey, fear is, is, is such an interesting concept, right? Because when you shine a light on your fears, there's one of two things that happen, right? Either you realize that the fear isn't even that scary and it disappears, it dissipates. Or maybe, you know what, maybe it is scary and maybe it is challenging, but at least now you're like, you can deal with it and go like, okay, what am I going to do, right? So shining a light on a fear is important. So once you know what the beast looks like, you can slay it, right? Take your list of can'ts and shoulds and nevers and et cetera, right? And write it all in a journal and really feel what you're getting from these old limiting beliefs. For example, I feel special, safe, and cared for I get to live with my parents and never get a job. Make a list of these false rewards and really push yourself to get them all onto the page, right? This is, this is important because this is the shit that like you got to pull this stuff out of you. It's not like it's not, you know, writing this stuff out is not necessarily like an easy thing to do, right? But, but now I want you to look at your list of false rewards for what they really are, right? They're scared little parts of yourself acting out. Now, is what's important. Thank them for trying to protect you and for keeping you company, 
but tell them it's time for a long run now and you know to fuck off <laughs> it's, it's, you gotta tell them to fuck off now so you know and then you gotta replace the feelings you got from these false rewards with the feelings of joy and power and excitement and stepping into who true you really are and who you, you're gonna become right and bring that so keep envisioning or even better writing down what it looks and feels like to have the real you know the powerful adult your place of you know your, your childhood story or whatever wherever in line that story came up right? Feel it, get excited by it, and then make a decision that you're ready to change and take that positive action in the direction that you want to go, right? It's very important, right? You got to take action once you made that decision. Number four is making a shift, right? Once you've gotten clear on your story and done the work above, take action. I was going to say take massive action, which, you know, sometimes it's like when you're, when you're in a lot, when you come to the realization of what your life is like and you really don't, you know, you actually truly see it and it's painful. Uh, you know, I've made some massive shifts in my life, you know, going co- to make the decision to go to college in the U.S. and, you know, get away from some of the shit that I was doing that was, was certainly not uh, helping me out and is definitely not who I wanted to be. Um, you know, that was a massive shift. I mean, I literally pulled the trigger within like days of coming back. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to college. Uh, I'm going to go to upstate New York, the Binghamton Juco. Like, let's go. Just uplift and uproot in my life and, and bam, right? Um, but regardless, it can be small action, just something that moves you forward that gives, you know, gives you strategic confidence. So if you're once depressed but have decided to let it go, then stop listening to like melancholy music. Like stop talking about how crappy you feel. Stop pretending like putting on your bathrobe counts as getting dressed, right? Instead, focus on all the good and all the things that you love to do, right? Make an effort of, uh, instead of collapsing into the familiar feeling of being depressed, right? The actions are gonna take you like move, right? Like go, go Eminem, y'all gotta move. Y'all gotta move, give me some room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Become aware that you've gotten into the habits and you must switch them around. Like behave the way a person who isn't depressed behaves. Dress how they would dress. Hang out with the people they'd hang out with. Do the things that they would do or do whatever that, you know, the changes that you want to make. But remember, going out into the world and trying, but yet deep down still believing that you're ruled by your past circumstances is like forgiving someone but still hoping they trip and bust their ass and hurt themselves. That's the equivalent. I'm going to repeat that, okay? Going out into the world and trying, but yet deep down still believing that you're ruled by your past circumstances is like forgiving someone but still hoping that they trip and bust their ass and hurt themselves. And then number five, the last part of this five-step process is get out of your own routine. So depending on what it was, like, I don't know if, if, it's, it's, if, it, if it is depression, like talk to strangers, wear something different, go to a new lunch spot than usual, make dinner for someone you want to connect with and get to know better or, or a group of people, go to a movie on a Tuesday at 3 p.m., walk taller, notice five amazing things you've never noticed about the you, you know, in place you live in, your belief, your mom, your pops, do things that pull you out of your routine and you'll be amazed by the new realities that were there all along that suddenly present themselves just because you shift your focus, okay? Now, I know that was a little bit of a longer lesson here, but, but let's be real, okay? If you don't change your beliefs and stories, no amount of information will help you, right? You gotta change the narrative. So if, if, you, re- you, know, if, if you listen to this and you think it's foo-foo, and I used to think that shit too, 
because I was grasping on to like these limiting beliefs. You know, then, then, then you may consider that as something you must do. Like you must do it. Okay. All right, I got, I got a couple more lessons here. I got a couple more lessons. This one is very, very, this next one is very short, but it's powerful, right? Man, say I love you more often and without self-consciousness. You notice I, I say, I, some people may say I overdo it, but I really, like I really mean it. And every time I say it, I feel better, right? Say it, like, say I love you more often and see how that affects people. Right, that you truly love. I'm gonna finish this one. This is uh, I, I think this is from a book called uh, The Naked Presenter. Read this a long time ago. Very powerful book. But this analogy. So one of my tattoos. You know, I have, I have a, a sleeve tattoo that I'm finishing on my right arm by my my guy D1 and only Lil B, which I'm gonna have to fly to Japan to finish it off. So I'm I'm gonna go to um, Japan end of March. I'm going to watch Demetrius Johnson fight in his first one fight with uh, my friend Joel Jameson. Uh, it's been about anywhere from seven to nine days uh, in Tokyo. Probably fly out to Kyoto and and whatnot. But I'm 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 I have a big kind of like obsession with the uh, Japanese culture and Bushido, the warrior's way. And uh, inside, and then one one of parts of my tattoo where they're getting finished is going to have a whole bunch of bamboo in there. And this is. And this part that I'm going to share, this lesson I'm going to share is why. Uh, because it, it comes from like the, the lessons from the seven lessons from the Japanese forest. So this lesson in, in the ebook is called Be Like Bamboo. Uh, and, and the thing is, I like things in, in life that are easy for me to remember and, and to connect lessons to. We all love stories. We love analogies. It's something that's easy for me to remember. It's something easy for me to visually represent, like, you know, when I'm doing art and, and, and doing tattoos and this has been like really profound for me right and like i said it's called the seven lessons from the japanese forest the first lesson is so notice that like there's lessons under lessons in some of these that's why i went deep i went way deeper in <laughs> in this ebook than the previous blog post that i that i did three years ago um number one is bend but do not break be flexible yet firmly rooted so one of the most impressive things about bamboo is how it sways with even the slightest breeze, if you've ever seen it. Um, so this gentle sway is, imagine a sign of humility, right? Their foundation is solid, even though bamboo moves harmoniously with the wind, never fighting against it. Like even in the strongest winds, like the wind will tire out, but the bamboo stays standing, right? This is one of the secrets to success, whether we're looking at business, training, or any other aspect of life is to be flexible and be able to course correct and adapt, but yet be firmly rooted. That was, that was so powerful to me. Number two is remember what looks weak is strong. Bamboo is not large by any means compared to other much larger trees in the forest. It may not be impressive at all, especially by first sight, but endures cold winters and extremely hot summers. And is sometimes the only one left after a typhoon, right? So we must be careful to not underestimate others or ourselves based on notions of what is weak and what is strong. You know, you may not be from the biggest company or have graduated from the best school, or you may be from a small country like Slovenia with less than 2 million population like Slovenia, but like bamboo, 
you can stand tall, believe in your strengths, and know you're as strong as you need to be. Number three lesson from the, from the Japanese forest is be always ready. Unlike other types of wood, which take a good deal of processing and finishing, bamboo needs little of that. As the great Aikido master, Kensho Furue, should study that guy. I've studied a lot of that. The warrior, like bamboo, is ever ready for action. So in whatever professional activity, through training and practice, you can develop in a way a state of being ever ready. Um, I think it was Jesse Elder that said, hey, you're, you know, there's trained and there's, there's only trained and untrained. There's nothing else. Right? So the more that you practice to be ever ready, the more ever ready you are and the pra- practicing in tough conditions. Number four is unleash your power to spring back. So there's, there's a, if, if you watch the, um, if you've seen like the, the paintings, Japanese paintings, there's a lot of like these visuals actually. Uh, the important image of a snow-covered bamboo represents the ability to spring back after having adver- adversity. So in the winter, the heavy snow bends the bamboo and, you know, back and back and back. I mean, literally con- completely bends it until one day the snow just becomes too heavy and begins to fall off. But the bamboo snaps back up and tall again brushing aside the snow the bamboo in the end has the power to spring back and say i will not be defeated right so even though that whole load and it's it's bent and it's you know you're like holy shit it's gonna break man it always pops back up be like bamboo number five find wisdom and emptiness in order to learn it's said that the first step is to empty ourselves of preconceived notions i started i started this podcast with that right always be a beginner and one cannot fill a cup that is already full. So think of the hollow inside of bamboo stems reminds us that we're often the full of our own conclusions on ourselves. We have no space for, everything, for anything else. To receive knowledge from nature and people, we have to be open to that which is new and different. So when you empty your mind of your prejudices, pride, and fear, you become open to new possibilities. So the emptiness of bamboo represents to be empty so that you can take and be open to things and not be so full that you're just not learning. Number six is commit to continuous growth. Bamboo plants are amongst the fastest growing in the world. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are today. You have amazing potential for growth, right? I've spoken of Kaizen before, right? Continuous, never ending, improving. There is, but, but it's more like Kaizen, it's more steady and incremental, uh, you know, at Vigor Ground, we have like the, this core value of get 1% better every day um, where big leaps and bounds are just not necessary, right? So even with a commitment to continuous learning and improvement, our growth, just like the growth of bamboo, can be quite remarkable when we look back and look at what and where we used to be. So even though bamboo grows rapidly, if you watch it day to day, you won't notice its growth. This is very important, right? On a day-to-day basis, you're not going to notice his growth. How, like, and, and so when you look at stuff from day-to-day, you may not notice that, right? But how fast or slow is not always the concern, only that we're moving forward. So you may have seasons where growth accelerates and some that are slower, just like bamboo. Grows fast in rainy season and slower when it's not rainy season. Yet with the sustained effort, you're always growing, right? Don't be discouraged by your perception of lack of growth, if you're not giving up, you're growing. Another lesson. And the last one, the last of these lessons is express usefulness through simplicity. 
Um, I just talked about that with one of the last podcasts with with uh, Paul Moore about the simplicity in life and simplicity in business. Once once again, we come back to the Aikido master Kensho Furue, who has man, look him up. Like, there's so many incredible life lessons from him. The bamboo in its simplicity expresses usefulness. Man should do the same. Indeed, we spend a lot of time trying to show you know everybody how smart we are, perhaps to convince others and ourselves that we're worthy of their intention and praise. Like that's been a lot of my life, you know, and and realizing that was what started helping me change. But we often we complicate the simple to impress, and then we f- we fail to simplify the complex out of the fear that others may already know what we know, right? So. Life and work are complicated enough without us trying to sound smart and to make things more complicated. They really are. And I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm sure you would kind of agree with this, right? And with that said, like, find the simple and then do the simple. Apply the simple. So I keep coming back to these seven lessons to remind me. Uh, it, I have bamboo all over my apartment. Uh, there's in a gym office, too. Uh and I, when you see bamboo, I hope it reminds you of these seven lessons of the Japanese forest. Cause like these are very, I would say, um, very, very entrenched in our lives. And I'll finish with the last lesson, even though I know this was the last one, but the, I, this one is a shorter one. It, it's a lesson about hoping. Okay. Uh, it sounds like hope is important, right? But hope is a terrible strategy. Right, it's a terrible strategy for body, life, business, or whatever else plan you have. Right? Well, I hope it could get better. Okay, cool. What's your path? What's your plan? I'm just hoping it works out. Right? You hope you get lean and strong and healthy. Hmm. You hope your relationships will get better. You hope you turn your life around. You hope to spend more time with your kids. You hope clients will buy. You hope the business grows. You hope the marketing works. You hope people find out about you. Hope in business or anything else is as logical as trying to fly a plane with no wings, right? You need a path and a plan and you need to do the damn work, period. So don't hope, take action, have a path, have a plan. Like I said, hire a coach, find a group, find a mastermind, surround yourself with people that have been there, done that and still doing it. So that was about because I wasn't counting, but I think that was probably about 12 to maybe 15 lessons at most out of the 99 lessons to an invigorated life. Check out the show notes for the link to the blog, for the downloadable ebook. Uh, Once again, that is free. You might just have to give me an email so I can communicate with you even more. But if you don't like that, that's cool. Unsubscribe. Um, And with that said, guys, love and appreciate you. I hope these lessons, I hope there was one insight. Like I said, if there's one insight that jolts you, if there's one insight that makes you change and do something different uh, and take a course of action to move in a different direction in your life, the one that you want, the one that serves you, then for this episode, the job was done. But remember, never make a decision without taking action at that, like following the decision. Don't make a decision and go like, I'll do it tomorrow. Nah, you you got to move forward right now. So move forward on something that I shared, write down a note, take action, do something, right? And as always, I love and appreciate you guys for listening, tuning in. I I love when you guys share, uh, get those five-star reviews on iTunes. Like I said, that helps the show grow. Um, You know, we're getting to thousands of listeners now in per episode. And and, and, and like I said, this is my my purpose is to help somebody move forward. And if you listen to a show a week, man, if you move forward a little bit 52 times a year, 
Like you're going to be a different person next year and you're going to be in a different place. And that's what matters to me. So with that said, love and appreciate you guys. I will talk to you and see you soon. Peace out.